Talk Radio 
just you know you know take that a little further. So Chris Woods uh, was named one of the uh, Philadelphia's most influential people by Philadelphia Magazine, along with Ryan Boyer and and uh, Jerry Jordan of PFT Three. Um, uh, three African-American labor leaders uh, who are at the forefront of labor in the city of Philadelphia and are impacting uh, not, not only the members that they represent in, in unprecedented ways, but also taking leadership roles uh, across the board. And Chris, we want to congratulate you. We're honored because you're a co-host of, on the show, and uh, we just couldn't be more proud. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys for having me again. And, um, you know, I was honored to receive that recognition. And I was certainly honored to share um, that article and that recognition with Ryan Boyer and Jerry Jordan, two guys that I definitely look up to in the labor movement um, as African-American leaders within the labor movement. Those are guys that I've worked um, closely with over the last uh, several years um, as I continue to ascend throughout the labor movement. And um, I was honored to share that stage with them. And uh, again, you know, thank you to Philly Mag for the recognition. Um, thank you to my team. I couldn't do it without my team um, that's around me. I have a good team that, you know, believes in my vision and, you know, pushes me and challenges me every day. And so, um, you know, I'm very, very thankful, very, very humble about the situation. And, um, you know, I want people to check it out it's a good article and um you get to see a little bit of what we do and i want to you know certainly thank um the members of 1199c because that's where it all comes from is the fact that you know we represent over 13,000 men and women in healthcare um in philadelphia and the surrounding counties and so without them um there would be no influence so i i think you know all of our members for what they do and i appreciate you know their their support and uh, believing in our vision Chris, let me ask you, you've been in the spotlight now uh, since COVID-19 uh, came to the surface. So you've got to go all the way back into uh, the beginning of what 2020, 2020, in the beginning of 2020, now find yourself again and still in the spotlight as we're a few weeks away from the election coming up on November 3rd. It's been one kind of a crazy run here in 2020. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to even go back to the fact that, uh, you know, this was a new term of leadership at 1199C. So we wasn't really even that far into our new term. And now we have a, a major health care crisis that's on our hand that um, had a tremendous impact on um, all of us, but especially the members who were on the front line. And so we had to jump right into gear and make sure that our folks had um, proper PPE, which was, um, you know, it, it was amazing to see that, you know, we had to turn basically the union hall into a warehouse of PPE. And we had to use our cars to caravan and you know we protested and fought for our guys to get ppe and you know then the hazardous pay thing came into play and we had to you know strap up our boots and show people that we were serious about making sure that our folks had what they needed um you know it was a health care crisis that i think um you know really brought our union together really even gave our our, our members a, a real look at what the union's all about and um, it even gave some of the non-union members that's in healthcare a look at us. I mean, we got a lot of calls throughout COVID and, you know, people were saying, what about us when we're, you know, giving out PPE or, you know, they saying, well, you, you're fighting and we hear you guys talk about hazardous pay. What's going on with our employer? And, you know, we tried to fill all those calls and take on those needs. And um, we actually had a successful organizing campaign. We organized a new facility during uh, COVID. We held our first virtual strike vote at one of our nursing homes because we were going to go out 
um, over the contract. And, um, you know, a lot of the things that were on the table this time around was PPE and hazardous pay. You know, not what's really traditional on the bargaining tables, but the fact that that contract expired during COVID and, and, and the, uh, the employer down there in South Philly, had a had a bad COVID outbreak in terms of the residents who were affected by it, and ultimately our members who were affected by it. And so um, we had to jump right into gear, but we were able to do some historic things through it. And again, I'm proud of all of the men and women of District 1199C for all of their hard work throughout this pandemic. And that's interesting because you know leadership and leadership under fire. Okay, in other words, who knew what uh, who knew what COVID was. Okay, you're in the dark. Everybody's in the dark. But the only thing you know is that your members are right in the thick of the entire thing. Right. And uh, what was that like at the beginning? Because people were dying. I mean, like you're you you guys are in the hospitals. You guys are the the, are the healthcare workers. How do you how do you keep everybody calm and also keep them working? Right. So it it was a it was an extremely tough situation because you you know like you said you're walking into a major healthcare crisis and you know you have people who you know was nervous and and scared understandably to go to work and thinking that you know by going to work and keeping us all safe you know I could bring the uh, the, the the virus back home to my family and oh so my God, yeah. you know you did have to kind of coach people through it we did kind of have to like you know say listen we're going to be there every step of the way with you guys we're going to make sure you have what you need and it got to a point where you had some members who uh, was like, look, we, we, we're, we're going to roll up our sleeves. This is what we do. Yeah. You know, this is what we do. This is health care. This is a crisis. This is what we signed up for. And we're going to do it to the best of our abilities. And, again, all we asked was, you know, we just want to be safe. You know, and that was our main thing. We wanted to make sure that in all of our contracts there is a safety clause in there, right? But, you know, most of it is about things like you're talking about uniforms and different things yeah. like that most of the time. But now you're talking about this 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 pandemic, you know what I mean? And so that was new for not only us, but it was new for the employers, too. So, you know, we had to make sure that they understood that, you know, people are dying from this. This is serious and that folks deserve to be protected. And so when the employers wouldn't do it, the union stepped up and, and made sure that we did it. Chris Woods, president of 1199C, is our special guest for the opening hour of the Labor Show with J. Doc uh, and Krause. Chris, one last thought or one last um, opinion, if I can get from you. I was It was um, nice to hear you say that uh, there were individuals from hospitals and other organizations not being represented that started to realize and understand the value Mm -hmm. of being represented. And my hope for this radio program, J-Doc, as you know, has always been for everyone around the Delaware Valley to just realize how important and how valuable it is to be part of a local. Yeah, and I think, um, again, a lot of people woke up and saw that, you know, you need a voice. Uh, People need to be represented, um, and you can't do it by yourself. And so um, sometimes, you know, uh, unions aren't bad things. And I think people realized that this time around with with what they went through throughout the pandemic. And, you know, we never shut our doors um, on anybody. You know, we were there to try and help where we could. You know, if we had extra PPE, you know, we tried to give it to the folks who were calling. Um, and, and, and again, I think, you know, the interest was sparked and I think we're going to see some real growth come out. As I told you, we organized one facility. I think we have a few elections that's coming up um, later 
uh, this month. And so, you know, we look forward to continuing on our growth and, man, and, and really trying to turn something that was so negative and deadly um, to, into a positive at the end of the day. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that, that point, Joe Cross, because I know of one particular hospital up in, uh, I guess, Montgomery County. And it's not, you know, they're, they're not a union hospital. And so when all this happened, the panic was across the board. And these people were not getting the PPE and they were in a panic. And I, and, and to me personally, that's the difference on, you know, and it's, it's, it's crazy because people, I know I got a call from somebody who worked there and they, they literally want, somebody got fired um, because they refused to come in. Uh, they had no masks. That COVID was running right. So there, and there was no representation. They had nobody to call. And it shows the difference in a life and death situation when you're represented and when you're not. And, you know, you hate to see people have to learn it like that. Chris, right. during this, I mean, it's, it's never been so evident. Right. No, and I mean, it's unfortunate that it took, you know, a yeah. pandemic like this to, you know, for people to see what we do. And for all the frontline workers, you know, I mean, I think the world got to see, you know, how we, you know, we, we just don't appreciate what people do, you yeah. know, and, it, and that's all the way across the board. And so. You know, we definitely were, again, in the forefront of it because it was a health care crisis. But, you know, even once we all, you know, had to sit at home for weeks and months at a time, you know, you appreciated, you know, watching folks pick up your trash. You appreciated people who would deliver food to you. I mean, you heroes, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, so, it, it, it was you're, incredible. You're, right. You're, you're going to the store. You can get food because somebody's there to do it. It's incredible, man. And, and, and again, shout out to all the you know, essential workers throughout this pandemic, you know, for keeping us all safe, keeping us, you know, healthy and, you know, trying to keep us with a sense of normalcy as possible as we try to learn and educate ourselves and navigate our way through this um, historic, deadly, you know, pandemic. Chris Woods, president of 1199C, with us for uh, the full hour, the opening hour of uh, the Labor Show as we go into the commercial break. Way back when, it used to be Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, with Chris Woods, Krause, and uh, Jay Doc, and uh, then we fast forward and we expand, and now Jay Doc has grabbed the first name in the title, Chris. It's, you know how much uh, money it cost me, Chris? It's the it's Labor ridiculous. Show with Jay Doc and Krause. Back in a moment. <laughs> Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, Iron Workers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ, District 1201. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And back here on the Labor Show, along with Jay Doc and Chris Woods, I'm Joe Krause. As we come to you live on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, coming up a little bit later on here in hour number one, Philadelphia City Commissioner Omar Sabir will be here. Uh, Jay Doc, timely conversation. Obviously, get out the vote continues. Chris Woods working all day uh, today, uh, driving that message as well as a lot of people coming through the local here uh, uh, all day, all Saturday. Uh, this afternoon, it's getting. I guess we're within 14 days, 15 days now away from the. Yeah, election. no, man. You know, it's, everybody's working overtime. We have so much on the line, Chris. You know, um, you know, po- politics, legislation, elections. That's the life's blood of our, our our union community. In other words, it's you know we either get involved in the process or we don't exist. Um, but along with that. 
Um, let's, let's talk about, you know, some of the most important issues in America uh, that hinge on the results of November 3rd. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, you got, first of all, health care. They want to eliminate Obamacare. You know, that's going to be on the line, and that takes, you know, quality health care away from folks who didn't have it before, you know, it was implemented. So that's a that's a a big thing right there. And then you got things like a woman's right to choose, which is important. um, And and that can go away. You see what's happening with, you know, this guy down in D.C. who now is trying to rush through and, you know, and, 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 and nominate and appoint a new Supreme Court justice. And, you know, you see what happened with the last time when that happened, when yeah. there was a vacancy and there was a nomination. Guess what happened? Unions went under attack. Janice came all of about. Now people didn't even have to pay agency fee or fair share anymore. You know, now you could get the same benefits of being in the union for public sector workers and not have to pay any dues. And a lot of unions took a hit from it, but a lot of us stepped up and were able to have some difficult conversations with longtime union members who, you know, we hadn't done a good job of knocking their door or letting them know why this is important so that we could have had a conversation with them to pay full dues as opposed to agency fee um, or fair share, you know, a long time ago. And so and then we also realized during that, too, that some people didn't even know because when they seen, you know, I am paying a percentage of the dues, they didn't know that I wasn't a full dues pay a member and what that means right so when you talk about you know what's on the line for this election i mean it's everything and the fact that we were when the last segment we talked about ppe and hazardous pay well a lot of our help comes from the federal government so who's going to give us the resources to do it depends on what we can do in november so we got to make sure everybody is registered and like Joe said, you know, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but, I, you know, we tried to step up on my end and our end today and do some things around registration um, because the deadline is approaching and um, you want, we want to make sure people have an opportunity to cast their vote. Yeah, and, and you, you, you talk about the – it's always a cliche, the most important election of your lifetime. There's no question about it. There's no question about Every, it. Everything's on the line. And, 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 but also when you mention Janice – a lot of our unions, and including you, 1199C, were out there preparing for a year. Oh, yeah. In other words, in a lot of ways, it united us. Although, we, we you know, taking the shots isn't any fun. Yeah. They can continue to underestimate. But no question about it. We say, I say it every, literally every week. When you're voting for president, you're voting for the Supreme Court. And you've got to understand when you're voting for any office that you have to understand the issues and what the impact is of that particular office. Um, when you're voting and so you got to see where your interests are okay and if your interests are in one particular and you don't know it you could be voting against yourself and then who's crying at the end when you don't have any work and next thing you know you voted for the other guy and that particular person is not lined up with with your interests let's let's talk about you talk about you know the 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 issues that are going on collective bargaining you know no question about it but the supreme court situation it's that we're dealing with right now um when you look back uh, when Obama had uh, his nominee, it was nine months. Uh, Merrick was nine months before the, the election, and he was stonewalled. It wasn't like six weeks. Right. It wasn't, okay, uh, you know, and, and, and so you can see where people were kind of bitter about it. Right. It wasn't like a six-week thing. Okay. The, the, but the, the real lesson there, Jay doc the real lesson in your example, 
goes back to what you said about voting. If they had control. Right. right. If the Senate was it's Democrat, they, right. It, it, then, then I agree. we wouldn't have that story. And But that, I think, puts an exclamation it, point it, it, on on your point about voting. You know, it does. But at the same time, it wasn't like it was only six weeks ahead of time. It was nine months. He but, got but stonewalled. You know, see, the thing is, when it's us, they don't know. You know, it, it's like we got to start taking a page out of their book. You know, when we have control, we're going to run our play. You yeah. know, but we need to vote to get the control. It's the only way it's going to happen. We have to get it because what this, this Supreme Court nomination is ridiculous. It really is, considering the fact that we're only a few weeks out from an election of a historic fashion that we should just be waiting until uh, uh, hopefully a new president comes in and can make a nominee that, you know, there's crucial, all kinds of crucial, important Issues that come in front of the Supreme Court right. that, that affect our daily lives and the labor movement. You know what's terrible about the whole thing? The fact that it's even a political court. In other words, it should be, you know, it, it should be, uh, you know, justices that are not appointed politically. In other words, right. you know, let, let them make a fair decision. Don't, <laughs> don't put somebody in there that just because you, you're the president or the Senate is, you know, is, is Republican, you know, that represents a Republican point of view or conservative point of view. It shouldn't be a political situation. Well, you're never going to change that process, Jay. I'm going to make some calls. That's good. <laughs> um, but Chris, I do want to ask you, I'd love to get your uh, opinion on this. Um, there is uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room. There is heavy concern that a good portion of union members um, who make up many of the locals in Philadelphia uh, are voting Republican. They are not voting for the Democratic ticket. They are going to vote for uh, the Republican ticket. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, and I, I mean, you're absolutely 100%. I saw it firsthand at our national union um, level where, you know, we were at a convention for, you know, registered nurses and, you know, they were putting the 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 the, the polling up on the on the screen and questions up on the screen and asking you to pick your candidate. This was goes back to Trump versus Hillary. And there were people. These are union people. These are union delegates, union shop stewards, and, and, and there was percentages of that room that were going Republican. And I think what we took from that was that okay, we got to go back to our basics and to our drawing boards. And somewhere the dots are not connected. And like it's kind of what Joe spoke about when, you know, you're voting against some of your own, own self-interest, interest, right? right? And you talk about you know, well, how is this connected to that? And you saw when Trump got elected, he went after. You know, the union. He went after the, the Labor Relations Board. I mean, this whole thing changed on us. He made it harder for people to organize so and join the union. And so those same people who I know believe in the union, but they might have some uh, Republican beliefs or principles, we had to go back and try and, you know, connect the dots to make sure people understand, like, this actually goes together. Even yeah. If you don't know, we're going to make sure you know. And if you still vote that way, then that's on you. But we wanted to make sure at least... We did the education of our own members um, and connected the dots so that we could try to limit as many people voting against their interests as possible so that we're not just out here spinning our wheels. I can't say it any better than that. You got to be educated and understand what you know what uh, affects your livelihood or the issues that are important to you. Understand which candidate supports those those situations, and I mean. 
Do I really have to say it? You, you vote where your interests are. The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause as we come to you live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Spending an hour with the president of 1199C, Chris Woods, is back with us. We'll continue uh, with the broadcast after the break. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here on The Labor Show, here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, hour number one of a two-hour program with the president of 1199C, Chris Woods, Jay Doc, and also coming up in hour number two uh, of the live show. We'll stay right where we are uh, for hour number two. Got a big hour number two as well. We got Labor Cares, uh, our our addiction initiative, and uh, real passionate about that. We got a big addiction uh, prevention program and all kinds of stuff going on, and we're going to have a great uh, second half of the show. Uh, also, you know, I was just thinking about this. We, so we have uh, Chris Woods here as one of the most influential Philadelphians. If Chris ever comes back on the show, I can see myself getting second billing. I, 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 could, I could see myself going the labor show with Chris Woods, Jay Doc, and Krause. I don't know if you've listened closely to the open, but there's a pause before your name we, comes up. It was up. hard for you to say, wasn't it? No, I'm saying there's a pause built into the open, yeah. so it's a very easy way to insert <laughs> another <laughs> name, Jay Doc. That's why that's there. Is, is this an audition? I, I want my spot back. back. Oh, yeah. The big way, chair. You, you can have the big chair any day of the week, and you know it. Um, so I do want to give a shout-out to John Kane. Um, you know, it, 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 uh, business manager, plumbers, local 690, he's running for state senate uh, up in Delaware County. And, and big shout out, great guy, a great leader, a great member of, of labor, but also a great representative of the people. And um, if given the opportunity, he's going to be in, in, an incredible uh, state rep, uh, state senator. So we wish him the best. Great, great, great guy. Um, shout out to John Kane. If you live in Delaware County, Please vote for him. I was just actually having a conversation with Senator Sharif Street today about supporting, um, you know, his campaign and, you know, trying to help out at the at the, the last couple of weeks. And so we're definitely going to do that. He's a great guy, Incredible. great leader. And um, I'm urging all of our members who live out there. But if you're in Delaware County and you're listening to the show tonight, trust me. We can't we can't steer you wrong. John Kane is the guy, and uh, he has our support. He definitely has my support. Absolutely, and and, and uh, big big support of women's issues. Oh yeah, uh, working people, uh, cancer survivor. Yes, sir. Somebody who who loves people and cares about his community. And so we're we're John Kane. Uh, we're we're. I don't want to speak out of fans. I don't want to speak out of turn, uh, Jay Doc. But when we met with John to do the profile on plum on on plumbers local six ninety. Did John was did John beat COVID or no? No, he, he didn't beat COVID, but he beat cancer. I know, that I knew. I did. I didn't know if he picked had COVID in the early stages. No, but, but he, okay. he he went through a heck of a battle, uh, and and he and he beat it, and he's a, a, he champions uh, the cause. I mean, he's an incredible human being. Let's transition out of that. Oh, back uh, to President of eleven ninety nine C, Chris Woods, uh, with us. Chris, you're sporting. Um, the audience can't see it. We can because you're with us. Uh, tell us about uh, your shirt that you're sporting. It's another example, I think, of uh, of taking the lead, and you're doing that. Absolutely. So um, most people um, who know me know that my grandmother raised me. She was a lifelong union member of District 1199C. She went on to become a vice president of the union. So 
my whole upbringing and as a kid I was running around in Union Hall just waiting to get a ride home you know from school and you know she was doing her thing and representing the members of 1199 so my grandmother passed a little over a year ago and uh, I just wanted to do something to you know honor her so I thought about what I could do and so um, I started a company called 916 um, LLC um, which is her birthday is September the 16th. So that's where the 916 comes at. So our first thing we did with this company was today um, we wanted to attract young African-American men to register them to vote. So shout out to the Beckett Life Center um, in North Philadelphia, which is the neighborhood I grew up in. Uh, we walked the community today. Um, we signed up a lot of young guys that wasn't thinking about voting wow. um, right before the deadline. And so um, that was our first thing to kind of kick off our brand, but to also um, make sure people, again, understand the importance of voting. And one of the things that made up my grandmother that I watched was a couple things was obviously the labor piece, um, community outreach. My grandma was one of those women in the community that became other people's grandmother. And so um, I want to have that component of it. So that was a little bit of what today was in terms of, you know, getting folks to register to vote. And then, um, obviously, she was really um, um, involved in uh, politics, um, and, and in particular, uh, Mayor Street's first campaign. And uh, when she was on, like, uh, Home and School Association, she really, you know, made sure that, um, you know, politicians in North Philadelphia knew what, you know, her community needed and what the kids of the community needed. And there was a, uh, an organization that had, like, an after-school program called CC13. So if there's any folks that are listening from North Philadelphia who are a little bit older than me, they know about CC13 because that's where all the kids went after school while they waited for, you know, your parents to get home from work. And my grandma was one of the people that actually, you know, was there helping out. And that's just kind of who she was. Like her hmm. door was never closed. So I wanted to do something um, to honor her. I, I know the labor movement is there. The 1199C piece is there. And I know she's extremely proud of that. But I wanted to do something to make sure that her name lives on and carries on forever. So we thought about it for a while and, you know, her birthday just hit me. And so we went with the 916 theme. And so we're going to be looking to do some labor stuff. We're going to be looking to do community outreach and we're going to be looking to do some politics as well to continue to prove, uh, improve what, what we have going on in our inner cities. Chris, let me push you a little bit further mm -hmm. on that, if you don't mind. How does it feel to start something that's going to memorialize who probably I'm assuming was the biggest part of your world, the biggest part of your life uh, up to this point. That 916 now is will forever be what? And so, you know, it, it, it's, it is truly, you know, exciting to, you know, carry on her legacy and carry on her name and i know how much she sacrificed for what, me to what was her, her name chris emma woods emma, emma woods. woods was my grandmother and um you know she was a tremendous lady and as i've been talking to folks about the company and different things it was like you know your grandma was a fighter she was a fighter that's been the constant theme and you know i watched it for a long time and so you know, I just wanted to carry on her legacy because to me, truly, I mean, I'm not just saying it. Like, I literally would not be here if it wasn't for her. She stepped up for, you know, myself and my sister and, you know, she took on others' responsibility and she made sure she instilled in us a lot of great values. And, you know, I, I'm just trying to, you know, carry it on. And like I said, the 1199C piece, 
I definitely know that she's honored to, you know, the union hall that I ran around as a kid. You know, I was executive vice president. Now I'm the president of the union. I know she has to be smiling down at that. And then, you know, to see something like this, to start a company in her name, you know, is tremendous. And I'm looking forward to the work that we could do. And I, I'm excited about that. Oh, it makes a, se- a lot of sense. You wow, know, really great story, man. It, it, it really is. Really good stuff. And, and, and by the way, I mean, shout out to Emma Woods, man, and the legacy that she left behind. Because let me tell you something. As somebody who grew up in the labor movement, um, and and knowing you know your passion from a young age and taking a leadership role, there's an old saying: you didn't lick it from the bricks, right? So in other <laughs> words, you know her leadership. Obviously, she was a leader. She cared about her community and 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 the individuals in it and the kids. Is that is that where you you think you got it from? Oh, no question. And I see it in myself. And um, you know, I just want to continue to you know do whatever it is that um you know I can do to push my community forward. I was having a conversation with. Uh, folks today some of the people who helped me organize the event today was like you know you gotta you have young guys who are coming down taking time to walk the walk the the community and try to get people to register I said, yeah i want folks who look like them to see what they're doing but more importantly i said i want those guys to turn to me when they need something as opposed to getting out on the corners i think that's important to our community and so i look at those guys as like sons you know what i mean and so anything i could do to help you know that's what i want to do and they showed up for me um tremendously today and i want to just shout out everybody who um helped me put that event together um you know ashley uh, uh, Sesums was de- was definitely important and, and instrumental in putting that together. So I want to shout out Ashley for that. I want to thank Miss Carol from the Beckett Life Center and um thank everybody who stopped by. Uh, I want to also really quickly just give a shout out to uh, Councilman Kenyatta Johnson stopped by, State Senator Sharif Street, State Senator Vincent Hughes stopped by. So I want to shout those guys out because I really know everybody. It was a lot of stuff going on in the city today around get out the vote efforts and registration up until the deadline. So I was honored to have those guys stop by and check out some of the work we were doing. It's uh, the conversation. Um, I, it, I'm sure your your grandmother had conversations with you like my father did with me, and about uh, you know representing that you're working standards and working people and 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 giving people an opportunity at a better life. Um, this company that you started, um, not only getting out the vote, but I could I I, I can envision it educating individuals who maybe weren't going to vote but also uh, allowing them to understand why it's so important and how different things impact their life i think a lot of people get polarized by politics they don't think they make a difference yeah and we hear we hear that a lot in our community you know we've heard some of it today we had some good conversations walking the community today with folks who look like me and you know and they did say you know i don't think it matters you know and we did everything we could to make sure that people understand that it does matter on the simplest of levels levels of how we break it down. I didn't want to give them I didn't want to over politicize the stuff for them. I just wanted to break it down to them on a level that they could understand. And you know what? They registered. We had it where you can scan it right on your phone. And so we were able to have those conversations and get people signed up. Let me tell you something. 30 feet from where we're sitting right now. I did the route right it, right next door. It's the biggest event we ever did in the history of our of our of our club. That was the Roots Tipping Point release, and it was a voting is power drive. Thirty five hundred people on the property. Believe me, you want to see somebody who was nervous that day. <laughs> it was nuts. The line was from down Second Street up Willow to McFadden's. Wow. Okay, but voting is power. 
That's that, absolutely. Now that's a concept right there. Nothing's ever been truer. Okay, and 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 that is a concept people have to understand, along with the along with being educated on, you know, what affects their interests. As we go to the commercial break, our final break of the Labor Show, hour number one with J. Doc and Krause here on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Um, we realize from uh, Chris's conversation in our uh, most re- recent segment, uh, Chris, everyone that you come in contact with through the beauty or through the power of 916 in some kind of, um, uh, so in some way, um, has now connected with Emma Woods. Pretty good stuff. Well done. Uh, congrats to you, um, you. Uh, for doing that. Uh, very important stuff. We'll get to a commercial break. Our last one on the other side, Philadelphia City Commissioner Omar Sabir will join us back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by IATSE Local 8, District 1199C, and News Guild 10. And back here on the Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause as we uh, come to you live. J. Doc here on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. We're live and local every Saturday night. The only difference now is we continue uh, to celebrate being two hours now, J. Doc, instead of one hour on Saturday night and the first hour tonight, very special hour uh, up to this point. President of 1199C, Chris Woods, uh, bringing some real great stuff to the program tonight. Oh, man. You you know, Chris is, is fantastic. He's a great uh, fellow co-host, and uh, it's always fantastic. And, what, and the job he does for And he members. walked into the room no problem. His head wasn't large after no. that Philly mag splash. Yeah, he was man. fine, J-Doc. I mean, <laughs> but, Joe, me and you now have friends in high places. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. so it elevates our status. That's what's important. Uh, but, no, the, you know, Chris is the best, and we love him, and, and we love having him on. And so uh, I'm so happy also. As, so we're talking about get out the vote. Well, um, we got somebody who knows something about that. I'm going to bring into the into the program Philadelphia City Commissioner Omar Sabir. Omar, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well, guys. How's everybody doing, man? Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. Well, it's great to have you. Your your good friend Chris Woods is here. Omar, man, you're doing a job. Hey. You're doing a great job. Let me start there, and I, I definitely appreciate a few weeks ago when you participated in our Soul Jam election kickoff. Uh, you gave a lot of great information that you know, our members um, needed to hear so that they're prepared for this upcoming election. So, man, thank you. I'm proud of you, and job well done. All right, thank you, Chris. Hey, listen, Chris, I, I would have came to your event, man, but I didn't get an invite. I know it was an oversight, and everybody, but don't forget about the city commissioner. When you think about voting, you got to think about the commissioner, man. I, I got you, man, but I'm actually going <laughs> to check my list. I think I sent you one, man. <laughs> uh, bro, you got my cell phone, bro. We ain't gonna do that, man. Call <laughs> <laughs> me up, man. You know I'll be there, man. But I have yes, a lot sir. to do. Yes, sir. Uh, we got these satellite office locations open up, which all across the city. Uh, we're so pleased to announce that we have about eleven of them. We're going to have seventeen open uh, by the end of next week. Uh, that's the scheduled plan. You know, seventeen early voting locations where you can walk in. You can request your vote by mail ballot. You can get registered. And most important, what I like about the, what I love about those sites is that you can get information. You know, if you receive your vote by mail, uh, in the mail, you know, you can bring it to those locations and you can ask questions. And I'm glad that they're in the community seven days a week. They're open and you can get the information that you need right now. We're so pleased to announce that over uh, 50,000 uh, Philadelphians had already visited those sites. We're going to check the numbers again for this week, but it's going to be higher. That was from last week's photos. 
Uh, the Philadelphians are coming out. They're using that. You know, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so excited that you can vote now before November 3rd. So please Omar, don't wait. Omar Sabir, our special guest. Omar, what's it been like? Uh, what's the what's the vibe? What's the buzz? Is it uh, is it cautiously optimistic? Mystic? Is it overly excited? What's it been for you? Right now, since these uh, early voting centers have been open, it's just been nothing but excitement. I mean, you know, uh, there's constant events going around the city where you have DJs, you know, you have food, you know, you have a block party uh, experience at the satellite uh, office locations where people are walking in, uh, you know, they're requesting their ballots in person, they're bringing their ballots in if they've been mailed, you know, they, they cast their vote. And then, you know, they get a uh, I voted sticker. So, I mean, you still get that festive uh, feeling, you know, about voting by mail. And a lot of people are have concerns about the Postal Service. You know, we can go to these satellite locations. We also have drop-off locations. They're under surveillance uh, 24 hours, uh, seven days a week. Uh, you can still come and you can uh, drop off uh, your ballot. And you can go to PhiladelphiaVotes.com to get all the latest information about the drop-off locations. You can find out where your polling location is. You know, it, it, it's good. You know, we're doing a lot of things for the very first time. I just feel so excited. So, so Omar, t- talk about some of the deadlines, um, just to make sure that people, you know, do things on time. Okay, so October the 19th, uh, which is this Monday, uh, you can uh, you can get registered to vote. So you have up until 11.59 on Monday to get registered to vote. And you can go right online. You can go to PhiladelphiaVotes.com. Or you can go to votespa.com, and you can get registered. It takes you less than uh, five minutes uh, to do it. Uh, or you can stop in uh, City Hall. You can stop at any one of those early uh, voting centers, and you can get registered uh, right there, and it goes right into the system. So, And, and those early voting centers close at 630. Now, so having said that, two, two really important things. Um, Obviously, if you know there's instructions with the with the with the vote, you know, voting by mail in uh, the mail in ballot. Um, if somebody does it wrong, okay, do they have another chance to do it? In other words, um, so if somebody if somebody doesn't put the, the, it in the secret envelope or however it works, um, how would they know if their vote wasn't able to be counted because it maybe had a flaw in it? And and what happens after that? Okay, so I'm going to say this one time, so it be very, uh, I'm going to say this again. Uh, we had these early uh, voting satellite centers, uh, you know, to give you assistance, uh, how to, uh, you know, how to you know, do your vote by mail. Okay. But there's five key components uh, that you should see if you receive uh, your vote by mail election envelope. Number one, it's going to be white and it's going to be blue. And it's going to have your name on it. It's going to say uh, official election mail. And then when you open up this, this whole envelope, it's going to have five key items in it. It's going to have your ballot. It's going to have your secrecy envelope. It's going to have a declaration envelope. It's going to have instructions, and it's going to have a plain English explanation of the ballot questions. Now, one of the most important items in there is, of course, your ballot, but then it's also the secrecy envelope. So if you complete your ballot, uh, you want to use a blue or a black ink pen. You're going to fill out the front. You're going to fill out the back. And then after you do that, you're going to put in this white secrecy envelope. And then you're going to put it in the declaration envelope. And then you're going to sign your declaration envelope. You're going to date it. You're going to print your address on it. You're going to print your name on it. Now, if you do not put that ballot in that secrecy envelope, we cannot uh, count the ballot. And unfortunately, right now, uh, 
you know, once you once you put it in the mail or once you put it in the drop-off box, there's no uh, apparatus uh, that we have that can uh, uh, where you can uh, fix the mistakes on your ballot. Or you, so, you know, so, so, right. so having said that, we got about thirty seconds. Um, okay. The polling places themselves, real quick. Um, are, are, are they, you know, is it going to be the same polling places that we're used to? Because with the primary, we were switching a lot of things up. Um, okay, listen, what's listen, that going listen, to look like? I know we got 30 seconds. Listen, forget the primary, okay? There's going to be 718 polling locations open. There's going to be an 85% chance that you're going to vote at your normal polling place. You want to go to PhiladelphiaVotes.com. We have a feature there where you can put your name, you can put your address in, and it's going to tell you where your polling location is. Again, you know, we're going to have 718. Normally, we have 830 locations open. So it's an 85% chance that you're going to be voting at your normal polling location that you normally vote at pre-COVID. Awesome. Omar Sabir, Philadelphia City Commissioner, with a get-out-the-vote here on um, the Labor Show, J-Doc. Great stuff, Omar. Thank you so much for calling in here live on a Saturday night. Chris Woods, I come back to you for last word um, before we sign off uh, Before we sign off tonight. I'm just, again, honored to have you guys invite me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, thank you for always supporting me. And, um, you know, you guys are, are, are a part of my team. So, you know, I appreciate you guys giving me the platform to address a lot of uh, issues that go on. And also, I just want to, again, just urge people, the deadline is Monday. Get registered. Get out to vote ver or early and often. Let's get this done so that we could be successful on November the 3rd. Yeah, and I think uh, Omar indicated that the deadline on Monday was right up to the end of Monday, right? Yes. So right up to 11, uh, 11 not 11, nine, well, right up to 11, nine, no, 59. <laughs> right up to 11, 59. Chris Woods with 11, 99. See, J-Doc, 30 seconds. Uh, just, uh, you know, always great to have Chris Woods on. I want to thank you for the job you're doing for, for the 11, 99 members and for what you're doing for in the city and a shout out to Emma Woods. That's going to do it for this edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. On behalf of our special guest, the president of 1199C, Chris Woods. On behalf of J. Doc, uh, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. edition of the labor show have been sponsored by sheet metal workers local 19 cwa communication workers of america and AFSME local 1739 dc 47 this program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of wphd or its management now on talk radio If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the Law Offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. Hour number two of The Labor Show. J. Doc, what a great first hour we had with Chris Woods, president of 1199C. Uh, we're going to cap it off with a great hour uh, here tonight as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Of course, J. Doc, we are live. Uh, we are on location. I love being on location. I love being at a local. The only thing I don't like being uh, when we're on location at a, uh, at a union uh, is they always provide food, and you can't resist 
fist uh, from eating food uh, when we go on the air. So, so my wife is listening, and I'm supposed okay. to be on a diet. <laughs> All right. But welcome in, brother. Good second hour in front of us. Absolutely. Again, I want to thank Joe Coccio um, from Transit Workers Union Local 234 for the hospitality. Pizza during, uh, during the commercial break. Joe, thank you so much. Um, My pleasure. And, and we do have so much... Uh, going on, and I want to. This is our labor cares uh, segment, which you know, uh, it's it's our labor leaders and our and, and, and combating addiction uh, program. There's so much, you know. Obviously, um, the opioid epidemic is so, so impacting not only in our city but also in our unions and in, in our communities and across the country. And I'm so ecstatic to have uh, a great panel on um, to talk about those issues. Um, certainly Frank Halper, President of DC 33, Local 1637. Frank, always a pleasure to have you. Joe and Joe, good good to be here with you guys. Always a pleasure. Joe Coccio, Secretary Treasurer, Transit Workers, Local Union 234. Joe, again, thanks so much. Our pleasure. Thanks, Joe. And of course, Chris Scheiblein, who's the um, behavioral health professional at IBEW Local 98. Chris, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. It's great to have you. Um, guys, you know, this is an, an impactful, um, an emotional topic that's, that's touched us all, um, you know, in, in one way or the other. And, and, and as labor union representatives, um, each one of you are on the front lines in a lot of different ways. Um, I want to, uh, you know, start off, Joe Krause, if you, if you, you know, the, we, this has been inspired by our Injured Workers Advocacy Program, of which Frank and Joe are, are, are on the board. Um, and, and so, you know, work injuries are a big part of, uh, you know, obviously pain. And, then, and, and obviously a, a number of addiction issues have started with individuals who first suffered injury um, and then medication. And it's, it gets into chronic pain and all those things. So this is an, an, an issue that's near and dear to our, to our hearts. Um, so let's talk about the problem, uh, you know, and, and, and how widespread the opioid epidemic is, not only in, in our labor and our workforce, but also in the neighborhoods. Frank Halber, if you would just elaborate a little bit on, on this, is, this, this uh, disease does not discriminate. It, it, it touches every part of society. Uh, Joe, uh, we, we've had many conversations about uh, the opioid epidemic, and uh, um, it's something that I've never seen before. Um, I mean, I know a lot of guys that are sober, but I, I've never seen anything like this. As you know, I, I've, I've dealt with it professionally. I dealt with it personally. Uh, and we continue to go through it. And it, it, it is good people that are caught in, a, in an addiction um, that are having a tough, tough time finding their way through the woods. Um, but there is a way out. And I think the labor movement plays an important part in helping our workers or whoever comes to us for help. Uh, to give them the resources we can, which we're trying to do here with uh, the Injured Workers Advocacy Program, to help them find a way uh, through the darkness and get back to living life. Um, There's a softer, easier way. I'm living proof of it. And... uh, uh, we just got to keep on it. We just got to keep on treading here. That's what we got to do. Frank, I know. I just want to ask you to follow up because I think the pandemic has exacerbated the problem. It's made it more challenging. It's made it harder for people to find resources or to go out and get resources. And I think it's, I think it's even, um, I think it's made it more difficult. Do you think that's accurate? A hundred percent, Joe. And uh, I mean, with, with the epidemic, recovery meetings, AA meetings, NA meetings have uh, uh, been put on hold because you couldn't get uh, people together. It's a serious issue. 
Uh, I know there's meetings online. There's meetings over the phone. But there's not, listen, there, there's really nothing for somebody to get in clean and sober that they get an hour out of their, uh, their head and go talk to other people that are suffering from the same thing. Uh, it means a lot, and people don't have that. I mean, it's coming back around, I believe. But uh, for the last six months, yes, someone getting clean and sober, absolutely. It's been ten times more difficult than, than, than somebody without going through uh, COVID here. And, and, and I want to come to uh, Chris Scheibwein. Chris, if, if you would, tell us what your responsibility is at Local 98. Because let, let me just say this. Anybody, anybody in, in obviously the Philadelphia Building Trades and our labor community um, – who who knows about you know our programs that we have uh, knows about Chris Shibline and the the difference you've made in so many lives. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do. So local ninety eight lost almost I think it was about eighteen members over about a two and a half year time. Um, business manager Doherty was kind of struggling it and it was struggling with it and he he admits that you know it was or he's uh, talked about it yeah um, kind of was finding a way to get his arms around this you know and. Um, he did a couple of things prior to bringing me down there. They got involved in a class action lawsuit against the opioid companies. Remember it. They, um, they limited their prescription to five, uh, five days' worth. So, in other words, one of the problems with the opioids is that doctors were given 30-day scripts, 90-day scripts, right? You're mm-hmm. getting, you need it for two days. Right. Now it's sitting in a medicine cabinet for you to take or a child to get into or whatever it is. So that limited that. And when they brought me down there, we – my John and uh, – the apprentice trainer director Michael Neal like what we tried to do was we set it up where it has to start from education right so and under there there's subsections so meaning like <clears throat> so everybody talks about the awareness I mean you would have to be on living under a rock to not know that there's a problem at that point right but how do we get to these folks so there's within that it's layered so what, I'm, what I mean is like you have your folks that are struggling themselves right that need resources where to go right how can we expedite that remove all barriers get them the help they need and then there's family members right we have family members that are struggling where do we get them how do we get them resources to what they need so they heal right then we have the we have the membership for our organization we have people that are are sympathetic empathetic towards it and then there's people that's not right so and and then that's okay you can have your opinion about it you know people use words like junkie and loser and things like that and uh, you know okay but at the end of the day, we're trying to build some understanding, some empathy into these folks so that they so that they would help somebody, right? I mean, a lot of people are ignorant to this. They don't know. You know, they think that people steal copper off of jobs and, and rifle through people's cars. Because they got nothing it, better to do, right? Yeah, right. Like, you know, it, they're in a bad spot. They're in a bad spot in life. They don't want to be doing this. Trust me. Yeah. They don't want to be doing this, Right. But, and again, I'm not giving them a pass. Some people think I'm giving them a pass, like I'm condoning the behavior. I'm not condoning it. I'm just giving you some context as to why they're doing it, right? So sometimes when you have a little understanding, you're, you're, you're more empathetic. You kind of get it, right? You, you understand that, okay, these individuals are in a tough spot. What can we do to get them out of it, right? Exactly. So under that education component, it kind of filters through, you know, but we realized that we had to start with the apprentices. That's a big part. I mean, the teachers up there, they're, the, they're second to none. They're the best, you know, and they're very much with me. So I see them all the time, you know, and I'm with, I see the kids. I still call them the kids, the, sure. appren- the apprentices. To um, We've realized that we need to build a culture of talking about problems. Right, and it's interesting you say apprentices because 
Um, I think a lot of things, even education, you know, about what it means to be in a union, your unionism should start when you're an apprentice, you know, and, and not, you know, not every union has an apprenticeship, but in, in the building trades, they do. But that, that culture, um, you know, starting there and understanding that, you know, you're not alone. That's part of one of the things we're trying to talk about. And, and I'm going to bring Joe Cochio into the program. Uh, Joe, obviously, is, is, is one of the representatives here at TW234. You guys have 5,000 members. And, and nobody is uh, immune to being able to go through something like this. Um, what, what, when, when, when that situation comes about, uh, what are the opportunities that, that they have um, if, if they find themselves in, in that type of situation? Well, if there's any advantage we, we have had over the years as a transportation-based union, we probably were dealing with this a lot earlier than most, most unions were. Drug testing came uh, came along in the <clears throat> late 80s, mid to late 80s, and we were getting in front of it from that point on. We are contract language, former presidents, Willie Brown and, you know, other presidents before him. And, and to this day, we're constantly trying to tweak that contract language. When it comes to programs and uh, a second chance, things, things like that, and we still find ourselves arbitrating things uh, that have to do with levels and uh, test results. And it's never really gone away. And I think whoever said it earlier about the pandemic and its impact, we don't even know what some of that impact is going to be until somebody has a positive test or somebody starts missing work. They start, you know, they lose their job or, you know, anything could happen before sometimes we find out. Luckily for us, though, most of our officers and our um, Business agents are hands-on. They're right there in the depot, in the shop. Most of your business agents or officers, they know the people that they represent. It's not that hard to know uh, 55, 5,300 member when you're out there every day. And, and you guys got a lot of stewards. A lot, I mean, plus three shop stewards in every location. Six if you're counting three on maintenance, three on transportation. So we really have an eye on things. So many times it's that way that we'll find out that somebody's in trouble and we'll step to them try to help them out try to get them the help they need and with programs like the injured workers and and whatnot uh, we do everything we can to get them the help they need before it's a problem when when possible if not then we try to help them to either you know god forbid save their job whatever it takes to save their job and uh you know save their life in the process save their life save their family you name it this is the Labor Show here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Labor combating addiction on the front lines. We'll get to a commercial break back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of the Labor Show are sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, Iron Workers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ District 1201. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And back here on The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're broadcasting from the Transit Workers Local Union 234, J. Doc. Uh, J. Doc, repeat after me. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Transit, Transit Workers, workers Local Transport Union. Transport. <laughs> you, 
You just screwed that <laughs> Wait, up. Wait, is it transit you? or transport? Transport. Transport. <laughs> yeah, that, thanks for <laughs> okay. reminding me, Joe. <laughs> yeah, because I'm going off of your notes, J-Doc. Yeah, so. but you were trying to make a specific point. And I think I'll uh, just change it. All right, we got it. Joe, we, we it. just made the point. Thank you. Transport. Every, everybody in the city of Philadelphia is going to know, uh, you know, what we're talking about. So, so having said that, you know, I'm ecstatic to, to have Frank Halber, Joe Coccio, and Chris Sharpwine on, on the show. We're talking about our, this is our labor care show. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's about uh, combating addiction and, and the issues that we have. And we want listeners to understand that if they're in that situation, they're not alone, okay, and that there's help out there. Um, and it's, you know, if you happen to be in a labor union, there's uh, thankfully so many different resources. Um, and, 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 Frank, if you will, you're, you're passionate about this topic. Um, you, you know, you're, you're vocal on it. Um, if you would, Frank Calver, uh, talk about how, how this topic has, has touched your life um, and how it's inspired you to help uh, you know, so many other people. Uh, Joe, we have many conversations about uh, uh, my past. Uh, um, and uh, you know what? Um, I, I, I listen to Chris talk about that people refer to uh, addicts maybe as junkies or losers. And he's right. Uh, there's a stigma out there that people think, I can't reach out for help. Um, listen, a guy my age was raised by a, a guy who grew up in the 50s. I was taught how to be a man's man, and, and reaching out for help wasn't part of that equation. Sure. Okay? So, I mean, my parents taught me a lot of things that were right. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But uh, it was never show weakness, never quit. Mm-hmm. And what recovery says is throwing the tail. So um, uh, to get to that point can be difficult. I mean, let's face it. But the stigma is slowly, I think, being removed about that because there's so many families affected by addiction now. I mean, if you don't know anybody who's suffering from addiction, I, I think yeah, you're, you're, in ca- you're in a cave somewhere. I right. mean, let's face it. So, I mean, the first thing is to get people to reach out and say, it's okay to say, I got an issue. I got a problem. I need help. Put a hand out. And like you said, the labor movement, uh, I mean, I put in my newsletter or local newsletter who I am, what I'm about. You know, I mean, I'm at a point now where I'm an open book, and, uh, and, and they know where I'm at, and they know they, they can trust me. I mean, I get put my number on there, so you call me directly. Uh, confidentiality, I can guarantee you that. So I think, and, and again, as Chris, we know, uh, the more we talk about ourselves, uh, you make the other people feel comfortable and say, I'm not alone. This guy's went through it. I think I got a shot. I mean... You know, it's one of the things we did. You did a PSA for Labor Cares. Thank you for that, too, Joe. No, no, Thank was, you, man. But you, you, you made it personal. You personalized it. And part of, of, of what it says is it's not where you start the game. It's that you finish it that matters. Um, and you're a great example of that. As a labor leader, um, it's living proof that's, that, that you know you can be in, in, in a difficult situation and um, and you know can confront it and and you know uh, and be a success you just got to take that step now i have not been in that step personally but in my family we've struggled we've had struggles and it's impacted our life and our and our family um to the point where there's you know people that are no longer around that christmas table and so and joe i just want to add it, it's not me it's it's the men that came before me and them and there's great guys out there that, uh, I mean, we talk about losers and junkies. I know guys, I wouldn't call them a loser or a junkie at this point <laughs> because uh, they'll hand my ass to me. Oops, excuse me. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, there were great people there with their hands out, and there are great people there. All you got to do is reach out. And I'm telling you, there's, there, there's, there's multitudes of people that are going to pull you, pull you off that lifeboat into the boat. And I've seen it. I've witnessed it. 
uh, great, great people, man. And 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 Chris Sharpwine, um, you know, you and I had the pleasure of meeting yesterday and having right. lunch, and, and um, one of the things that we talked about uh, were it can happen to anybody, mm-hmm. and it can happen quickly. Yeah. And I told you my story about that, you know, the doctor giving me the lauded four days in. I, I, I've never even tried marijuana, mm-hmm. and and I almost couldn't sleep without it. I saw it happening, right? This t- type of thing, um, no one's immune to the, to, to the possibility of, of, of becoming addicted. Yeah. I mean, the progression happens can happen very quickly. Um, the reasons why people can get addicted to different substances is can be layered, you know, whether it's emotional trauma and things like that over their lifetime. But it could be as simple as having somewhat of an addictive personality and getting a tooth pulled and you know, it happens that quick. You start to you start to experience physical withdrawal symptoms within a few days. So you can start you can start detoxing and not even really know what's happening. Um, so yeah, it can happen quick. What, what Some of it too, I think, and and, and Joe, maybe you have a thought uh, about this. Is it's self inflicted by the desire to be able to go to work every day. The ability I, I can't miss work. I can't. Um, I'm I, I'm receive I, I was injured on the job but i have to go to work i've got to provide it's it's so true or they're uh, they're worried about the different aspects that it could affect the job not only because they need that they need to do it for the money need to do it for the family but god forbid you you know you have attendance you have to worry about you have to worry about keeping your job you have to worry about trying to keep everybody happy or you don't have enough money it's just one one thing after another so uh we do what we can, pick them up, try to help them out, and uh, one, and, and go on with the next one. And, and what type of programs, uh, you know, the the uh, is, uh, if you're if you're a member of the local, if somebody's in that in that situation, um, what what uh, resources are available? Well, it's that's that's always the, the the tough part. How much time they can recover, and now things are starting to get better. You know, it used to be the old standard 30 days rehab, but we all now know that that's not really enough. It's never adequate. So now you're fighting insurance carriers. You're, you're fighting the employer. You're trying to say, look, they need more help. It's not enough. Uh, and then they return to work, and then they follow-up testing at work. And that doesn't always work out. And, and next thing you know, they're looking at a discharge, and you're trying to do everything you can now to save everything they have at this point. But we do uh, do our best. We have our own programs from the union side. The company has programs. Uh, there's no shortage of programs. The medical coverages uh, will cover them. So uh, we, we get them the help we can. Things are getting a little better. Uh, we're not there yet. I don't think anybody is there yet. Nobody still wants to pay for 45 days in a rehab. It's still a fight. God, God forbid you try to get anything more than that. It's next impossible. So uh, it's just you take each step, each problem, one at a time. They're all different. Every situation is different. And uh, you try to put all those pieces together and, and make a puzzle that saves, saves somebody's behind. I'll tell you, it's interesting because um, what inspired the, you know, the, the addiction component of our Injured Workers Initiative is um, lawyers saying that um, you know somebody gets injured, there's chronic pain there, and uh, they're settling a case couple years down the road and they can see the individuals got issues and they couldn't and they can't do anything about it and we have the opportunity to try to do some prevention um and 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 and, and to, to fight it on on the front lines um 
And we're so fortunate in labor to be able to have that opportunity and have so many caring individuals. Chris, does every does every union have a uh, a program uh, like like the one you provide for Local 98? Yeah, as far as I know, most of the building trades, most of the unions that are in the building trades have an EAP, Employees Assistance Professional, a program or an individual that was able to do an assessment and then refer the person into the right uh, appropriate level of care, whatever that is, whether it's a detox, rehab. And the most important, one of the most important parts is the, is the aftercare, is the follow-up. Sure. Uh, Joe was talking about, like, and you just mentioned prevention, that would be on the front end. The support on the back end is, is massive. So someone comes out after 30 days, what happens? Right. So engaging them in a recovery program and really staying on them and building that rapport, making them feel comfortable so that they relate to things. So they relate to you, and then you give them hope, like Frank was talking about, right? They start to see change. They start to see things. For years, it seemed like people just kind of got out 30 days, maybe did a little outpatient. They were kind of going in the wind. You don't know what happened. So now it's more about staying on them, staying plugged in with them, and uh, letting them know that they're not alone and kind of carrying them through it because that's the part that's very crucial. Talk about the support system. And, we're, you know, I know we got Joe just mentioned we got a, a minute to the break and so we can follow it after the break. But I'd like to know about how important it is you're talking about. You're going into rehabilitation, then you come out. You've been hanging with the same people your whole life, right? And maybe those particular individuals have not seen the light yet. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is it? You know, after you go to the rehabilitation or the recovery, to to have a, a support system for you when you get out. Uh, crucial. I mean, sobriety is about change, and he, the people that you're hanging with are going to be like-minded, and it's going to encourage you and help you to change. If you're hanging with certain people, going back to the old ways, and in our industry, it's very difficult because, like for myself, I went back with the same gang that was drinking every day, doing the same thing. It was difficult. So I had to lean on that support network even more. Sometimes you can't do that. You can't, you're on a job, it's where it is. Work might be slow, whatever the case is. You can't just drag up, go with another company or whatever it is. So kind of are where you are and you have to do your best to rely on that support network and kind of take accountability and responsibility for yourself, you know, and walk that recovery path. The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause as we come to you live on uh, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, we're live tonight uh, from the Transport Workers Local uh, Union. We'll get to a commercial break and continue the dialogue on the other side back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here live on the Labor Show as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Labor Cares is a, is the conversation here in hour number two. Labor combating addiction on the front lines. Jay Doc, a fascinating conversation of of what is real. Uh, the, the, it's a real conversation uh, tonight. We're live, of course, on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT, but we're able to bring what I think is the real story, the real facts, the real reasons, Frank, why uh, some of um, these issues um, are out there, um, yet individuals struggle so much to be able to confront those uh, issues and take the first step towards getting help. Yeah, Joe, and I I think Chris touched on it about uh, when you reach out, you, you need a support system there. 
and listen, I know for a fact this is a family disease. It affects the whole family. It doesn't just affect the individual. Um, I, I actually attended a, a recovery uh, seminar for family members at one point, okay. and I'll be honest with you, uh, there, there were kids in there suffering from, say, heroin, and their parents were there on a Saturday morning hung over from drinking. But uh, God forbid you tell them, listen, man, you can't be sitting there catching a buzz drinking beers and expect your kid to get clean. That's what you got to get through to family members. Uh, what you're doing, uh, monkey see, monkey do almost. Um, but it's a family thing, and it's got to be a family all in it together. Uh, um, doesn't have to be, but it would make recovery so much easier. Yeah, and you talk about support systems, Chris. Um, I guess the family, it, it, it's got to be, you know, a, a huge part of that. Or they can be either part of the problem or, pro, or part of the solution. Um, do you ever have? Do you ever get in a situation where you're counseling the family? Oh yeah, I mean the family doesn't get it. That goes to the education component as well. I mean they need to kind of understand addiction, understand why their loved ones kind of acting the way they are. But the thing about families is, they need to take care of themselves. A lot of times with families, the individual, their loved one, becomes their drug of choice. In other words, if their loved one's doing good, they're doing good. Loved one's doing bad, they're doing bad. Right, highs and lows. With the, it, it, it kind of shouldn't work that way, right? Family should be okay regardless of what the loved one's doing, right? And that's a tough place to get to. Believe me, that's not an easy gap to kind of make, but that's what we try to get. They need to take care of themselves because at the end of the day, you don't have any control over what they're going to do, right? So you want to be able to okay, especially if there's other 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 children involved, or you know, I've seen husband and wives go out. It, you know, it, it it can get really ugly. Well, you know, it's interesting to say that, man, because it. And you think, and and, and um, I know this is gonna, but if it's your son or your daughter, or if it's your mom or your dad, it, you know, and the love you have for them is, it's, I mean, I, I'm just thinking about it, and I know Frank, you know. I mean, Chris talked about come. I mean, it's enabling. Where do you draw the line? Of listen, uh, we know many parents that I don't care. I don't want my kid dying on Kensington Avenue. So I'd rather give them a bed uh, and a roof over their head. Now, at the end of the day, is that the best thing? Maybe not. But it that's what Chris is referring to. Like, it's such a tough decision to say, listen, man, I can't have this in my life. you got to take care of your issues. But then again, something happens to that son or daughter. I mean, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow, man. Oh, no doubt. Joe Cocho, um, are you ever contacted by a family member before you're contacted before by by an actual worker with an issue well i i would say i would have to say yeah those would would be people that i was um personally close to to begin with we don't personally get involved in the family aspect we leave that to the eap providers and uh, the people who we make sure our members have access to to get the help that they need but certainly it's not beyond any of, of our business agents or our officers to get involved when asked or try to get involved and we always make sure that we do everything we can to make sure they have all the resources we give the family the, the phone number all of our members pretty much have our phone numbers uh, and it, it sounds daunting but it's not i mean just about everybody who works here <clears throat> has their number out there on the shop floor so you can get a call any time of the day or night weekend who knows our, we all are expected to take our calls and we do and if there's help if it's a midnight run or somebody needs to get some help and then we just go on out there and we get them the help they need no matter what time of the day or night it is it's our job
And and by the way, that's that's Joe Kraus. You know, you talk about it all the time, but that's the that's the great part of being in the union. You have representatives like these guys right here who are willing to go out. And I feel it's for not it's not just about collective bargaining, man. It's about right. saving lives, Joe. And I, and I feel for those who don't have the resources that union unions do have. And it just goes to, you know, as far as I'm concerned, and probably everyone in this room, everybody should be union. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and for reasons you don't even, A lot of reasons, you don't right. even know. This and is just one little part that you don't know and even talks about. You know, you, 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 you talk, you heard, I mean, I've heard the, I've heard the term tough love. Hmm. Okay, and it's not, you know, I've had some, I've been a part of some interventions with some family members, and they were some of the most painful moments uh, uh, that I can still uh, you know it's just thinking about it I didn't I haven't thought about them till now um does uh, Chris does the does the um individual have to like so if you get a call from somebody's wife or their child or their mother does the individual have to be the one to want it is there a way to be able to get through to them and sit down I know it's a painful thing but what do you do if a, if a parent calls you and says listen you know, I don't know where else to go, and I'm, you know, don't want to lose my child. I mean, the first thing in those cases, I usually have a try to have a conversation with the individual, right, to try to just build some kind of rapport and see where they're at, see how honest they're willing to be, how how much they will open up to me, right? And uh, if it's a if it's a child of dependent, it's not in the union, and I have no leverage or anything to do. At the end of the day, they. Unless you are a danger to yourself or someone else, um, there's nothing you can really do. But that's where we rely on the parents to kind of make some tough decisions, whether they have to go to a recovery house to live or go to treatment or whatever it might be. But these are the things what Frank was referring to. There's a saying that if nothing changes, nothing changes. And if your son has or daughter has continued to do this, live this way of life under your roof and you're very disgusted with it, what are you willing to do to change it? I'm not, I can't tell you that. I can give you suggestions. But at the end of the day, you have to live with these decisions, not me. Right. So it's very difficult for me. And I don't really like to get in that lane because, you know, right away it's going to be Chris told me. I, right. <laughs> you know, so it's more of a sense of like, these are your options. This is what you can do. There is options out there. But at the end of the day, you have to live with these decisions. Like Frank mentioned, someone might say, I know what my son or daughter does. I know what they do, but I'm not putting them out. They're going to stay here and do it and things like that. But yeah, I mean, to get sober get help whatever it is is an individual decision to kind of, because it's more than just the initial phone call the initial phone call your phone could weigh 100 pounds to make that sure. right to yeah. get the first step to get the ball rolling but after that it's a there's a lot there's some heavy lifting to do after you get out and ongoing which is the responsibility of the individual right so, but the peer we put peers in place okay Chris finish up we at 98 I have about 20 different peers like I was saying, the, to kind of back the back end, the more when you come into recovery, a lot of people are looking for a way out. In other words, I don't want to be in this anymore. You're looking at differences instead of similarities, right? So the more, again, remove barriers or excuses, right? So if you're sitting with someone who's the same age, same neighborhood, same trade, you both have two kids, you know, you both were alcoholics, whatever it is, and this person's sober two years there's nowhere really for you to go. There's no excuses that I don't relate. <laughs> right. grew up, this guy grew up on your corner. So we have a lot of different ages and things like that that I can kind of utilize because not everybody wants to Peer talk groups, to me. Not right. everybody wants to talk to me. I, I, don't, if I, I have a baby, but some people have grown teenagers or dealing with things like, 
you know, Frank. So you Yoda, try to pair individuals that may have yeah, something in common. Not so much a one on one, like in that sense, put somewhere where they can kind of talk to them and right. they build a rapport with them. You know, it removes excuses. It's it's more support. And Frank, that's big. That's big. What, and, you, what I, Chris is talking about. No, I mean about this. And 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 you know, having been through it, Frank, when 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 um when you're talking to somebody, does it give you like? You Frank, know, you're the president of your union. You know, you're at the very top of the pyramid. But also, having gone through it before, does it give you a a a, a different perspective and a way to relate to somebody because they know you went through it? I believe so. I hope so. I pray so. But like Chris is saying, I'm a 55-year-old man at this point, so if uh, a 30-year-old kid, I'll say, uh, comes and talks to me, listen, I don't think any 30-year-old kid, I don't know, looks at a 55-year-old man and says, I can relate to you. (laughs) So what he's saying is absolutely right by peering him up with somebody his age, uh, where they come from, so they know you're the same as me. We got the same issues. That's that's big. But so, Frank, do you think you represent the end of the story? Meaning, meaning, no. Meaning you are now the president of the local. So whether you want to admit it or not, you represent success. So for that thir- that example of that thirty-year-old or that thirty-five-year-old who maybe you think you can't relate to, in some way you may, or in some way you do, because no, you you are you, you have overcome it and you are the president of the local. Um, you may be right, Joe, but I go back to if a thirty-year-old, I know many of you guys who are thirty years old, and what I'm going to do is pass them on to a 30-year-old that I feel has come from the same same place, right. Chris, right? I mean, yeah. but yeah. go ahead. No, Chris, go ahead. I, sometimes the length of sobriety, uh, Frank and I were just talking about this, has to do with it as well. In other words, people might be Frank's age over 30 years. So they heard stories about Frank when he was a youngster, but they can't imagine that guy. This is the president of the local. He couldn't have been that bad, or he didn't really have that kind of problem. He's not like me. Again, looking for excuses, looking for differences instead of similarities, whereas you have somebody maybe sober two years who they know more more relatable, if that makes sense. It doesn't mean that Frank couldn't help them and they couldn't look up to him and get hope from him and be inspired and that sort of thing, but to kind of work on a day-to-day, someone who's sober 31 days kind of, you know, heads racing, have a lot of stuff going, a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. So, The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. We'll take our final break here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by IATSE Local 8, District 1199C, and News Guild 10. And welcome back, everyone, to The Labor Show as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. J-Doc, I want to get right into it. Um, just an incredible conversation here in hour number two uh, of The Labor Show. Of course, every Saturday night now, uh, The Labor Show expands or extends uh, from seven to eight, one hour a week, to now two hours a week. Uh, and I'm glad we now have both hours. Are you, by the way, done your pizza? Can no, I was going to say, it's great to see that we now have pizza on the menu every week. <laughs> okay, <great>. Fantastic. <laughs> First of all, I want to say something. I want to shout out to our to our uh, our leader John Doherty, love and support. 
nothing but love and support. I want to thank you for the impact, especially on what we're talking about right now. Um, John, you know, has been a big influence in your program, Chris. 100%. Um, and so he's made a difference in so many lives. And we just want to send our love and shout and belief and everything there is to our friend and, and, and knowing that we all wouldn't be here without him. So, uh, and that's going to continue for ages to come. Having said that, um, t- you know, Joe Cocho, um, talk about intervention where when, 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 when individual Joe Crash, you're kind of uh, went in this direction when you. When, when, when a family doesn't know where to go, sometimes they call work and sometimes they call, um, you know, the union hall because they, in, in a sense, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult situation um, and, they, and they can't control it. Is that ever a factor in, in those situations? And when, and when that happens, you know, what can you do? It does happen. Uh, I wouldn't say it's uh, it's more common than the usual situation. Usual situation is usually somebody you know, fails a random test or something like that. Um, but it does happen where they'll call the union hall and they'll seek, you know, ask for some help. And we'll immediately, if their particular business agent's not available, we'll get them right on the phone with somebody. And, uh, you know, we'll do whatever, do whatever we can to get them, if, we, if that means picking them up, taking them somewhere, getting them the, the help that they need. Uh, President Brown, he'll, he'll pull out all the stops. I mean, what a member needs, they'll get and we'll get them there if, if the business agent has to do A, B, C, or D to get them that help. We'll get them that help, and that's about all we can really do. Uh, we make sure that we point them in the right direction. We follow it through. We get them their sick benefit papers. We get them whatever we they need to just cover themselves for the time that they may be away or from the time that they may be getting treatment. Uh, whatever we can do to 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 make that transition and to keep their their jobs intact so that. When they do come out of this thing, they'll still have a, a place to work, and they'll still be able to support their family. It's uh, pretty much it. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a lot. And, 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 and Chris, when, when you are fortunate enough to have a success uh, situation, mm-hmm. um, is it and, – and, Frank, you're you know, a great example, um, and you as well, Chris. Do, it, do, do, do the, the individuals that, that um, – are able to, to, to have success, is it, is, it, is it normal for them to want to come back and help everybody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, from what I've seen, they do. Some some don't. Some want to stay anonymous, you know, and because of their want to stay private or whatever it might be. But at 98, the response that I've got has been great. These guys all want to pull on the rope. They're all a big part of it. Anything they can do, they're always telling me whatever you need. You know, they're, they're very supportive. So. But for the grace of God, there go I. That's my mantra when it comes to this i have no idea i could be the biggest heroin addict in the city i just never tried it hmm. sometimes and I, I i i ask this question is it possible for somebody to try something one time and and and, and for it you know to to go the wrong way yes i'm i'd say yes absolutely and especially with uh, uh narcotics i mean some something joe said earlier about big pharma I mean, listen, When in reality, the guy dealing dope on the corner ain't nothing to a CEO in a uh, pharmaceutical company. They've been pushing uh, narcotics for uh, pain medicine for God knows how long. I mean, and I don't want to get off base, but uh, talk about drug dealers, Jesus. I mean, I mean, you, you, listen, you see some of those specials on TVs, and, and Chris, you talked about Local 98, and they really took a lead in this in regards to suing Big Pharma. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we actually talked about that, Joe Krause, on the, on, on the program before in regards to, um, you know, uh, Local 98, I guess. I think it was they were for false promotion or, or you know, for or regarding uh, uh, harmful pain medication. Um, but is that where it starts a lot? In other words, the, the, does it start a lot with uh, regular medications and, and, then, and then sometimes it just spirals? It can. I mean, it, I guess that's one of the avenues, you know. I think a lot of it, honestly, it starts with alcohol. It starts with alcohol at a young age and kind of progresses from there with a lot of is, cases that I see. Is there a difference in the type of addiction? In other words, you know, there's alcohol addiction uh, and then, there, then there's addiction. Today, the opioid epidemic is spiraling out of control. Buddy Osborne has been on the program many times talking about yep. it. I mean, it kind of goes through stages with some people. I mean, it, there's no really, not everybody's wearing a size 10. In other words, some people's drug of choice is alcohol, you know, to the depths of where liver failure by the time you're 38. You know what I mean? It, or it could or it progress to, in most cases, people with addiction, myself included, I'm trying to check out of reality. So I'm going to do whatever's working. <laughs> I'm going to okay. do whatever I need to get the job done. Started out with this and went to this. <laughs> you know, right. that's a that's a progression that I hear from a lot of people. You know, it kind of this wasn't working, so I started doing this, then I started doing that, and, so, and it just kind of went. Some people stay on one track. I, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's usually some kind of underlying. What you're doing is they say is like but a symptom right it's the causes and conditions of why you're doing it it's the same thing whether it would be food or whether it, w it would be sex or gambling or any kind of other addictive behavior sure there's usually some something's going on underneath guys we're coming down to the to, to the home stretch and i'd like to ask each one of you is uh if you know if there's listeners out there in in harm's way right now and they may be on the teetering point what would you say to them chris if you're ready to get help right now, I mean, if you if you have an insurance, look on the back of your card, call that behavioral health number, and go through the process. As the one thing, the fear of the unknown keeps people sick, right? Sometimes the saying that the devil you know, as much as you're in an uncomfortable spot, getting help, that fear of the unknown keeps people stuck. Walk through that fear, make the call, whoever it is, to a friend to a county resource, whatever it is, on your smartphone, whatever county you're in, if you don't have insurance, go through a county funding. There's help available. It just takes a little bit of legwork, but it's there. And a lot of times fear keeps people stuck. Frank Halber? Uh, Chris uh, Chris couldn't say any better. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone and call somebody. I know, uh, I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous got a 1-800 mm -hmm. number yep. for, for the regions. Yep. Um, crisis uh, uh, medical centers. There's crisis centers out there. Um, there's numerous steps you can take. It's just taking the step. I mean, uh, um, and again, we talked about family members who family members come to us. I, I've seen guys who maybe wives wanted, were done with their husbands. And he came, got sober because of a wife. And you figure, eh, does the guy have a shot? Well, sometimes, just sometimes, the message grabs you when you're not grabbing the message. I mean, I've seen that in the past too. And uh, so it does, I mean, of course we want the individual to reach out for help but i have seen instances where family members had enough of somebody and and they had no option and, and they got it uh joe coach joe just in closing once again <clears throat> call uh, we we go to great lengths to let members know they can trust their union and uh, we're here for them and that's that's a big place to start right there if they can trust us to make that phone call we'll help them out all right guys listen i want to thank you all so much 
for everything you're doing every day and for the message that you're sending out today. I want to thank Joe Coccio, Secretary uh, Treasurer of the Transport Workers uh, Local Union 234, Chris Scheibline, Behavioral Health Specialist, IBEW Local 98, and of course, Frank Calver, President, District Council 33, Local 1637. Gentlemen, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, thank well you Joe. Thank Great you, guys. Thank you so much. And just a really impactful, powerful, uh, and meaningful show, Jay Doc. And as we uh, get ready to say goodbye here uh, here on a Saturday night on the Labor Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, um, I hope everybody listening out there, uh, many who are not members, Joe, uh, of a local, uh, realize the power uh, and the benefit of being a uh, member of a union. Um, Another good example uh, tonight in an area where uh, many, many people are affected. That's going to do it tonight for this edition of The Labor Show uh, with Jay Doc and Krause. Again, on behalf of all of our listening audience, on behalf of everybody uh, here who participated tonight, um, and a special thanks one more time uh, to the Transport Workers Local 234 uh, for the pizza and providing some levity uh, during the broadcast. On behalf of J-Doc, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communication Workers of America, and AFSCME Local 1739, DC 47. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management.